Welcome to episode 15 of About Nashville. I'm Mike Rogers. Uh, my guest today is actor, singer, songwriter Scott Reeves. Uh, you may know him from the TV show Nashville or by the three soap operas he's been on like Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Young and the Restless. Um, some of you country fans may remember him from being uh, half of the popular uh, country music duo Blue County. He is a great dude, let me just tell you. We actually talked for about four straight hours, so I had to turn this into a, my well, it's my very first two-part series in, in two episodes because we had so much ground to cover. I mean, from from both of his successful acting and music careers, uh, there was there was a lot of a lot to go over. So today will be that part one of the of the two part series. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. Um, prom, prom. My son Mike Junior. Uh, he'll be eighteen in July. He just had his prom. Is well, he because his birthday's in July. He's actually in eleventh grade. He'll be in twelfth grade next year. Um, but. So he just had his 11th grade prom, and he looked exactly like me at the same age. Now, at the same age, I was in 12th grade, but it was crazy. I mean, he even wore the, the same type of black tux with the fuchsia tie like I did, it, it, which made it look like like me even that much more, more closer. I mean, it, it's absolutely nuts. Um, hopefully his experience turned out better than mine, I hope. Uh you know, uh, proms are hard, man. I mean, they're, they're, they're stressful on everyone involved. I mean, think about this for a minute. I mean, you have the boys that have to find somebody that will go out with them, or if they're like me, they didn't have a significant other in high school. So so that, that whole dilemma of finding that person that will go out with them is very stressful. Um, the girls, you know, they, they've got that stress of, of hoping that a boy is going to ask them to prom or... Or, you know, it, it, that that's that's stressful in itself. And then you have the whole parents aspect of it. You know, the parents, they're going crazy. You know, they're hoping their daughters don't get deflowered or their, or their sons don't get arrested or, or, or whatever else that could happen in between to both the children. Um, it's crazy, you know. Uh, I myself, I was a parent's worst nightmare, uh, especially for, for the only prom date I ever went on was my senior prom. I never went to school dances. I never went to, I never had a girlfriend in high school. I, I, I didn't have a car. Uh, that I think that had, that, that had a big part to do with it. Um, my father had this philosophy, but besides the fact that, you know, uh, we, we couldn't really afford it. My, my father had this philosophy that, you know, if I had a car, I probably wouldn't do my road work. Looking back on it now, he's probably right. Looking back on it now, if I'd have had a car, I'd have probably got myself in a whole lot of trouble, and I might not have ever even graduated high school. Um, but, you know, regardless, uh, I didn't have a car. So because I didn't have a car, I didn't think there was a need to get a driver's license. So I didn't have a driver's license until I was 19 years old. I'm getting way off track here. But my point being is, so I had the stress in my senior year of trying to find a prom date and knowing that I didn't have a car. So, you know, I was a senior on the football team, um, and I asked a junior on the cheerleading squad to go. Uh, she just happened to have a boyfriend that went to another school, uh, but she still said yes. Uh, in with me not having a car or a license, my, my buddy, buddy Tra uh, Billy Trailer, who was also on the football team with me, he, he picked every, every one of us up, and he, he drove us all around that night. Well, before any of this happened, 
before the night of the prom actually took place, I had devised this grandiose party scheme, I guess, if you will, of hosting this awesome party. Uh, I, I don't know it, I, where my mind was at, but regardless, that's that's where it was at. So before the party ever even happened, my sisters, uh, well, my middle sister, Lisa, her, her old boyfriend, um, Tony Gonzalez, who... I just happened to have learned that he, he passed away last week from, from a heart attack. And, and maybe maybe that's why a lot of this is, you know, coming back to me and, and why I'm thinking about it a lot lately. Uh, at least I have been this last week. The combination of my son, you know, having gone to prom and, and the fact that Tony Gonzalez died and helped me so much with my prom. Well, he went out and he, he, he got me a bunch of booze. Uh, and helped me rent a, a hotel to, to where the prom was being held. And we filled up the bathtub full of ice and, and filled it up full of beer. If I think it was, if I'm correct, I think it was PBR. It wasn't, wasn't anything fancy, but um, it just so happened that the room was also connected to another room uh, that was also doing the same thing. I don't remember who the person was that, that was doing that, but they had a girlfriend uh, and they were, you know, they were doing this up big time. Well, the door, the two hotel rooms had a door in the middle that opened up between them. So we were able to open it up and have one big party. Um, and, uh, and, and that's what happened. That's, that's exactly uh, what we did. Well, before we went to prom, we all went to dinner. Uh, Billy Trailer came and he picked us all up and we went and picked the girls up. And, uh, and, then, and then we went to dinner. And uh, I, I happened to notice that, uh, that all of the waiters were wearing tuxes like us. And, and, I, and, and like the smart-ass kid that I was, I was a teenage kid, I was a smart-ass, I jumped up and I started taking orders um, for, the, for an entire section, if you will. And, and, and everyone was really confused when their orders weren't coming out. I, I thought it was hilarious, uh, but I'm sure they were pissed off. And once again, um, I showed that I was an asshole teenager. Um, once we get to the prom, <clears throat> we take our prom t- uh, picture, uh, we danced a few dances, and then everyone, virtually everyone, head starts heading up to the two rooms for the parties. It, it was like something out of a movie. I mean, it was like girls gone wild. There were shots going around everywhere. Not shots, not gun shots, but literally alcohol shots. There was loud music and there was lots of tomfoolery. And then somewhere, I don't remember what time it was. It was like midnight, maybe 1130. I don't remember. But then Billy Trailer came up to me and he said, hey, man, we need to take the girls back home. And I was taking a shot, I believe, as he as he said that. And and and, and I said, OK, man, uh, take them on home. He said, uh, no, man, you don't understand. He said, I can't come back and get you. And I said, hey, I'll, I'll just sleep here tonight. What? Wait, what? What a douchebag thing to do. I mean, I, I was a terrible, terrible date. I, 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 didn't, I didn't hang out with her. I didn't talk to her too much. Um, I, didn't, uh, I didn't even take her home. Billy Trailer took her home. He took both of our dates home. He, I didn't, I did I was such a douchebag that I didn't even escort my date home. I stayed there at the party with everybody else. I was like, and you know, and looking back on it, like, I'm like, what an asshole, what a little asshole I was. And I, I don't know, maybe it was just the, the, the need to want to be the center of attention, or maybe it was the need to, you know, hold this glorious 
prom party for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't even know what I was really planning. I don't. I don't even know if I had a plan. I just know that looking back on it now, it was it was a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty crappy thing to do, you know. I, I, but then after everybody went home, uh, you know, the couple they shut their door and they went to do their thing, and I'm sitting in this damn hotel room by myself, you know, sort of alone, and it sinks in that I am by myself. I mean, I didn't get a kiss, I didn't get lucky, I, you know, to be truthful, I wasn't even polite. I was probably the worst prom date ever for this girl, or for anybody for that matter. I mean, I'm sure her dad and her boyfriend are happy that I was such a, a losing, a loser and a, a terrible human being back then. But, but you know, looking back on it, I mean, that, that was just that was horrible. That was horrible, and um, you know, I was pretty pathetic. I mean, there's something I've you know, just thinking about and and thinking about me sitting there. Uh, in that hotel room by myself, uh, you know, drunk, uh, probably, uh, probably ended up beating off to some hotel room porn or something. I, I don't know, but looking on it, you know, now it should have been a, it shouldn't, it just shouldn't have been about drinking alcohol or, or being the life of the party or being the center of attention or, or, or even getting lucky. I mean, because that wasn't even in that, that, you know, that wasn't even on the table. It shouldn't have been on the table, um, but you know it should have been about a, a great experience with a wonderful girl and, and 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 you know coming at it like a gentleman and and doing things the right way. I mean, if I had if I had to go back, if the older me had to go back and talk to the younger me, that's what I would say. Um, I'm just, I just hope my son, you know, was smarter than I was, and and has hopefully uh, listened to some of the things that I've taught him over the years. Uh, I hope I hope that he learns or has learned um, from my mistakes and uh, doesn't want to relive them. He wants to make them better because uh, that would be a mistake. Although I don't know that he knows this story, but it's a bad one. Uh, not one I'm proud of. And, you know, and if I had I'm not going to say the girl's name out loud. But if you're listening to the show, uh, number one, Billy Trailer, I thank you very much for being the great dude that you are. And I appreciate you uh, taking her home uh, that night. And um, to my date, I won't, won't say your name out loud, but uh, I, I'm sorry that I was such a douchebag, asshole, uh, teenage kid. And uh, I hope that your senior prom was far better than your, your, your experience at, at, uh, in your junior year. So... Uh, now that I've depressed the hell out of everybody else, let's go to the interview. Part one of two with Scott Reeves. Dream big, everybody. The honky tonk hit man. Welcome to AboutNashville.net with your host, the honky tonk hit man, Mike Rogers. 
How many songs do you think you've written? Oh man, I've uh, golly. I'd say probably just to, I mean I really dove in hard two and a half, three years ago when I really hard as opposed to just writing casually when up for blue when we were in Blue County, you don't really have time mm-hmm. to really do that because you're on the road. And, uh, your How many of those songs did y'all write for your, your for the record? Uh-huh. Uh, we wrote uh, "That's Cool," which was our second single. We wrote that with Lee Miller, and uh, that was actually one of the most played songs that year. I, I, and the weird thing was, it, it it got into the 20s or 30s on the charts, but it was one of the most played songs that year. I don't know. How, I don't know how that works. I have no idea how that works. Hey, whatever. Works. I'll take it. Absolutely. I'll take it. Absolutely. Um, we're, uh, so that's cool. Um, what's not to love and what's not to love were the two that we wrote. Uh, we wrote that with um, Tommy Lee James, and uh, that that was an, an album cut. That's cool. Was one of our singles. Mm-hmm. Who, who? I mean, before we get too far into to Blue County, yeah, you, you were born in Arkansas, right? I was. Uh, I was born and raised in Delight, Arkansas. Raised and uh, not well. Raised, Bob. I don't, want to be crass, I don't want to be crass, but I suckled in, New, in D-Lad, Arkansas. Okay, okay. Oh, when did you leave? How old uh, Oh, gosh. I was a baby. I was a baby. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. So, you, 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 were, you were there. My, I was there. My blood is... My, it, my whole dad's whole family is from there. And then that wasn't background music, by the way. It wasn't a fight. <laughs> um, and that, well, that wasn't a bar fight either. Yeah. But anyway, uh, my dad's whole family was born and raised there. He, uh, he grew up with Glenn Campbell. He was like a cousin to us. So I grew up with Glenn Campbell my whole life. And, That's cool. Uh, which was really cool. He was a big influence on me musically and stylistically. And, uh, and then my mom's whole family, they're all from West Tennessee. So they took us out to the West Coast, and that's to in search of opportunity. And um, but my roots are were so. So you grew up in the West, um, in California, L.A. Uh, really? Yeah, San Fernando Valley. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that, no, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up. I, it's funny. I was a country boy who grew up surfing, and at the beach, and and. Uh, so how'd you get into acting? Well, uh, in high school. It was. I knew I was going to do something from a performance standpoint, uh-huh. whether it, uh, whether it be music or whether it be on TV or movies or plays. I didn't. I didn't care. I just wanted to be in front of people uh-huh. and enter, to entertain them. Sure. And uh, I when was did gonna, you recognize that? At what uh, age? Oh man, I was probably five because my I was the middle child, <laughs> and they, they they said, "Oh man," that I was always the one. They said, "Hey." Go, go perform, and I'd, I'd entertain everybody that came over to our house. Did you have to fight and for attention? Then, oh, I I had to fight, I fought for attention whether I had to fight for attention or not. I was <laughs> I I like I I was these I needed to be the center of attention. That was that was a, one of my one of my sicknesses. And um, now did your mom and dad both move to L.A.? Yeah, we were all in L.A. Yeah. And your and, and your dad was born and raised born in born in a little duplex. He and his mom and dad and three other brothers lived in one room in D-Light mm-hmm. with one light bulb hanging from the ceiling. And I've been back to the place, and it's still standing there out in the country. It's a little duplex. Another family lived in the... You open the door, and they were, there was an entirely different family in the okay. room next door with an outhouse and one little room as a kitchen. And uh, so he was born and raised there right next to Wolf Creek in D-Light, Arkansas. And, oh, wow. 
and uh, man, it's a, it's it was pretty cool to kind of see where he grew up and where he, you know, got his legs. What was driving him to LA? What drove him to LA? You know, him and his brothers, the Reeves brothers. <laughs> there were there were there were four of them initially. His oldest brother was killed on a motorcycle. Okay. When he was about 19, and so there were three of them left. My dad, he was the youngest. He was the baby. My Uncle Jack, and then my Uncle Chuck, who was the oldest. And they said, you know what, we're going to go, we're going to go to L.A. And my grandma, and my dad lost his father also within a short period of time. My dad was, he was probably 14 when his dad passed away. Okay. So he lost his dad and his brother. And my, and so his mother, and she wanted to take her boys and take them somewhere where they had a, where she felt like they had more of a chance mm -hmm. to do something. And so they headed to L.A. Wow, and, and this is out of all the places because, I mean, I, growing up in Arkansas, I was born and raised there in Little Rock. And uh, Oh, yeah, they, yeah. Uh, and, and I, too, wanted to be an entertainer at a very young age. But, but when you are born and raised there, you you have this idea in your head that this is impossible. Yeah. We can't do this, man. I know. So you at least you were in the right place, yes. and, and, you know, for those things to happen. Sure, and um, they, and they, 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 uh, they were kind of... They were kind of uh, famous in a small town, uh, so to speak, man. They were, uh, I don't know if that was a good thing or not. I don't know. You just knew about the Reeves brothers. And, uh, well, your dad was a fighter. And, oh, he was a fighter, man. He was he was the golden glove of Little Rock, Arkansas. That's right. Point. That's right. And uh, there's a, I have a picture of him in the paper, man, with a... The name, his name was Pee Wee Reeves. I wish, yeah, I, I wish, uh, it's, there's no video, you can't see oh, your face on I the wish. podcast, but that face you were making. <laughs> Man, I, and I, he has, I can, I should have him take a picture of the newspaper clipping and send it to me to give you. Oh, heck yeah. Because uh, it's awesome, man. He has a big old shiner on one of his eyes, but man, he's got this look on his face, big old space between his teeth. That's and he awesome. And he was the smallest kid in his school from the time, from his entire childhood. Did, did you ever box? I never boxed, like I do, me and him boxed, but but I never got into it. I because because I started I started acting first, and so everybody said, "Oh man, you don't want to, you don't mess up your face, man." I'm like, "Oh," because I loved it. I loved I loved the whole grappling and wrestling and yeah. fighting. I even got interested in, in MMA a little bit, and they said, "No, no, 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 you especially don't want to do that if you want to if you want to act or unless you want to change the type of parts you're doing." And um. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, he um, they they went to L.A. in search of opportunity and to be and to, to get famous. So they went, man. They went to Hollywood. They, the three of them, they have some stories, man. Where they just they would they would walk right into record labels. I think they walked got, went into Capitol at one time. There's where I was going with this. So 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 they went themselves to L.A. To break it on their own. I see. When you said opportunities, I'm thinking to, to work in a manufacturing. Oh no no no! Work. They went to, to to be to be stars. They, okay. They wanted to find. They wanted to get famous and you know be music stars. And okay. They okay. thought they were it, man. It was. Were they? Were they? Were they? Did, no, were they? It? Uh, they no. <laughs> no. I, they, I mean, you, they should have had their own TV show. They should have had their own TV show. Okay. But actually, my uncle Jack, he was it. For, he was he uh, he worked with Vern Gosden for a, a lot uh, in Nashville here. After after a point, after they all kind of went and did their own thing, my uncle Jack, he was the one who was really the country artist. Okay. And uh, Jack Reeves, you can look him up. He has. He was here. He came here for a while. You said Jim Reeves that have fell off. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. I don't know if there's a tie there, but um, Uncle Jack was. Uh, he he had a career. That's all he's ever done. 
And so he came to Nashville, worked with Vern Gosden for a long time, went back and um, she's gone now, my Aunt Lori, but she was nuts, so um, I can say that. And she, she, and God love her, man. I, you know, I, I say that, you know, with all due respect. And, and uh, but Uncle Jack, man, he's, he is a performer. He's like pushing 80 now, but he's still, he, uh, he went to Vegas and did the Vegas thing and he played casinos and nightclubs and um, he probably could have done something, done something if he had had the right guidance and management, right? And didn't have, you know, the crazy wife who mismanaged all his money and, and but anyway, he he's he was the he was the country star. Really? Yeah. What, what, and what would you and what would you say his style was like? Oh, very old school, man. He was more. Awesome. He was he was old school mixed with a little bit of Americana. You know, Glenn was a big influence on him, um, but Merle Haggard. Uh, Waylon Jennings, all gotcha. those guys were big influences on him. And um, did, did, any they, did, they, did they act at all? Or did no, you, you? They tried, that? man. I started that. I was the first one okay. who, bro- who broke in the door. And um, I had another. I had another. Uh, one of their nephews, Dub Craft. Mm-hmm. He was in a band out of Little Rock, Arkansas. And he was an accomplished guitar player. He he, but. You know, the bottle got him, uh, and up until the day he died. So, but he was—he was an amazing guitar player. But he was—he just got stuck on that, yeah. stuck where he was, playing in small bars and small, you know, little places. Couldn't get out of it. Couldn't get out of it. Couldn't get out of it. And it finally—it finally caught up to him and got him. Oh. And um, so I bet he played Jimmy Dole's Country Club. Oh, did, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> he, I'm sure he did. And um, he. Uh, so anyway, that you know, they were all you know, moving and shaking and trying to make something happen. And then finally I come along and it wasn't until I got into high school that I decided I knew I wasn't going to college. I said, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be an entertainer of some sort. I just know, I don't know what to, at what capacity. Um, but in my junior year, I, there was a drama teacher that came and, and I had always picked around on the guitar for myself and my uncle, you know, it influenced me in that mm-hmm. and sang around, but um, mostly did that for myself and a, as a hobby. And then in How high old were you when you picked up the guitar? Um, 15. Okay. And um, so I, I got my first guitar, you know, you, the, Danny um, Rogers, um, Kenny Rogers' nephew. Okay. Because we knew the Rogers real well, because they went, their whole family went to our church out, the First Southern Baptist Church. Yeah, that's Park. pretty cool. Kenny and his whole family, I mean, the whole crew. That was when he was in um, um, the fifth edition. With Kenny the, Rogers in the fifth edition. Wasn't Dean Miller's mom in that? Possibly. I thought it was just maybe so. But I mean, they, you know, Keith Bugis, uh, Russ Benson. I mean, it was they were they were. That was bef- just before as soon as when he left the fifth edition. That's when he became Kenny Rogers. Okay. Uh, and that we know. But um, anyway, they all, they, they all, we all went to this tiny little church, so we we knew them real well. So Danny helped me get my first electric guitar when I was, I wanted a guitar so bad. And Keith Bugis, who also played in, in the fifth edition with uh, with Kenny. So um, you were playing lead? No. <laughs> you don't rhythm on the electric guitar. Rhythm on the electric guitar. Yeah, I, 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 didn't, I did not spend enough time. I wished I, wished I had spent I was going to say, damn. No, I, can't, I can't play with you. Dude, I, I, I can't play lead. And I, I pretend sometimes, but I wish I had spent the time. I was too busy. 
I, you know, once I got in high school, I was too busy. Girls got my attention. Mm -hmm. And so being a lead guitar player went out the window as soon as I met, I discovered the opposite sex. Did you play sports also in high school? You know, no. You know, well, I did my own thing. I, I didn't play team sports. Okay. I, being out there in L.A., I, I surfed, I skied, I, um, I cycled. I was a track guy. Mm. I was. I did all those individual sports. Right. So I, I just kind of did the ones where I was competing with myself, and I loved that stuff. I was an avid backpacker. I kind of did the solo stuff, and um, and then um, and drama. And drama in the eleventh grade when I, I this drama teacher came, mm -hmm. and I, I just needed some kind of easy, uh, easy. Um, uh, oh, uh, uh, elective. Sure. To, to fill up some space. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say a creative outlet, but you're just looking for an easy grade. I was looking for, at that point, I, I was <laughs> going, man, I just need something to fill up that class drama. Yes. Well, I got in that class, and this te and I, man, I discovered that I loved it. And this teacher saw, I, I, he kind of took me aside. Mm -hmm. And this was unusual in a small little private school. Especially in, a, in California. Yes. And he said, hey, he said, he got my number, called me at night, said, hey, I'd really like you to go with me to audit some acting classes in L.A. And I was in 11th grade. That's not creepy. No, no, I know, I know. For, and, and, and if anyone else would have known it, they would have been like, you're not going with some older dude acting teacher? Marty, get, bring the camera and meet me in the parking lot at 3 o'clock in the morning. I did, that sounds so suspect, man. Um, I, uh, so, but I, I thought, but I could, hang, I could take care of myself at that point. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go do this, man. I want I think I want to do this, and so I did. And he was very impressed by that, and um, and so we went and audited a handful of acting classes. He, you know, he had me come because I would I would prepare these monologues mm -hmm. from these act from these act books with you know pre-written monologues in them from plays and this. Sure. That what, what would you do like like funny scenes or um, serious scenes? More serious stuff, more dramatic okay. stuff, and um. So I would prepare these. I'd bring them, and he was like, so he had me starting to come and go with him on these private classes he would do uh, with students over on the other side of the hill in Hollywood, because he, he taught private classes over there, and he said, I want you to come. I'd love for you to come and talk to my classes and, and you know, perform your monologues for them. Uh -huh. So I thought, wow, man, maybe he thinks, maybe he thinks I've, I've got something here. Okay. Because I grabbed onto it and, gra you know, I... I you know, had a grasp on it pretty, relatively quickly, and I, and I was, you know, I did, I, and I did need an outlet. I, d I discovered I needed an outlet for my creativity. Okay. And you know, emotionally, and and something to, to grab onto. Did you ever feel like like uh, you know I. I I took, well, I didn't, let me rephrase that. I did not take drama or choir or anything like that in high school, but I, but I was in their plays and musicals. Yeah. Uh, just because I could sing and act. Uh, played on the football team and box, but being in Arkansas and doing that, people will look at you odd. Oh, yeah. Now, what, is it the same thing in high school in California? Not at all. Okay. You're in L.A., man. Gotcha, you're, gotcha. You, you know, everyone and their mother, I came to find out, it's like, oh, man, you want to do this, too? Uh, even in school, I'm opened like, up a whole new world to you. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know, and I'm like, and I was, and I think the thing that played in my favor a little bit was the fact that I, I, I jumped into it so blindly and really without the intention of going, man, I, I, I need to go do this so I can be famous. Oh. I jumped into it because I, first of all, I needed something, just something to fill up space, but then 
I, it didn't even occur to me that I could actually go and do something with this and make a living at it. Right. But I, I, I learned, I learned to love it first, before I even gotcha. learned that the, you know, what the possibilities were from the standpoint of making a living at it. Were you willing to starve for it? Were you willing to like put everything yeah, out there for yeah, it? Yeah, because that's what I was doing initially. Yeah. I, that's, I mean, I was just doing it to do it because I loved doing it because I didn't realize, wow. I, I got a shot at this? Yes. I was just going and I was, man, I was diving in wholeheartedly to, I, you know, I was saying, man, find me, I would tell this acting coach, I'd say, find me, help me find a monologue, man, that I could just dig into and, and you know, and wrap my, you know, my entire self around and immerse myself in. When he was doing this, was he also like teaching you how to audition and, and things no. like that? And Auditioning wasn't even coming into play at that oh, okay, point. Okay, okay. He was just like, it was just studying acting. So when you were studying acting, were you like studying types of acting, acting like, like Strasberg, Stanislavski? Well, after high school, and I was doing the high school drama thing, mm. which didn't really get that far into it in high school. So they weren't delineating between uh, Strasburg and, and all the, all of these different right. guys who who you know all of these different techniques. So once I left high school, um, I fiddled around for a few months, just working and surfing, and I'm going, man. I said, I want to. I miss that. I miss. I miss acting. Mm. I miss having that outlet. So I started, I called around and I, oh, oh, no, you know what I did? Uh, I forget. I, how, I forget. how are you at this point? About 20? Not 19. 19, okay, okay. So you are fresh out of high school. Fresh out of high school. Okay. And I said, you know what? I've kind of messed around long enough. I said, I want to go, I need to go figure this out. Mm -hmm. So there was a place in L.A. called Faces International. Okay. And, and you, you may have heard of it. They had commercials all over the nation. Yeah, yeah. And to be very honest, it was the biggest scam on the planet. I, I wasn't gonna say, but you know, it is it what was, it is. It is what it is. It was, you know, it's what it was. They, for X amount of dollars, yep. you can be in this catalog full of faces that goes out, that, that apparently goes out to all the casting directors in LA and everywhere, and, and uh, you know, people have become stars because of this. Well, maybe two people in the entire 4,000 page catalog might have been working at all right it just was one of those kind of places I mean sure. but they charge you four grand for a full page ad and I mean it was a catalog that big now granted it did go to all the casting directors and then straight into their trash can did you do it for the, well I, I set up an interview I'm like I was so green and so naive I was having to do this all by my. I had no one guiding me. No, no, no help. No what help. About, what about your buddy and or the, the the teacher in college? He didn't even give you an. Advice. Lost touch with him after yeah. high school, and so I said, I got to figure this out, man. And um, so I just I picked up the phone book, man. I I just said, I'm gonna I got to I'm gonna die if I'm gonna do this, I got to do it myself. I found Faces International. I said, I'm gonna call them and just see what's up. So I went in and I did this big interview and they make you, boy, they make you feel like a star from the minute you walk in the door. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they make you think that, oh man, this, this guy's going to be a star. You know? And you, you're, you're walking in going, yeah, man, I am. I said, tell me what I got to do. So, you know, they sit you in a room, put you on camera, have you read a commercial and man, they play it up. They're like, you know what, hold on. I need to go talk to, I need to go talk to someone go over that again because I'm going to have you do it again. I'm going to bring someone in because I want them to see this. I mean, they play it up. They man. work you over. They work you over. Well, the guy who I got that day was one of their biggest 
he was like the sales guy there. He mm. was their star sales guy. He okay. knew how. I read this commercial. They put you on tape, and they have a camera in the room, and they're you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put you on tape. We're gonna watch it. We're gonna watch it and look at it, and critique it. And so they make you feel so special, man. So anyway, we go through this whole rigmarole, and I he's, I he puts me on tape, and he says. Hey, uh, I want you to I want, I want you to come in the other room with me. Um, my girlfriend was with me, and I brought her with me to just mm-hmm. hang. And she was, she said, he, he said, you know what? If you if you could just wait here, I you know I need to have, uh, I need to talk to him about everything that's going on. Well, he pulls me off into this other room. His name was Thomas Rollerson. I'll never forget his name. He pulls me into the room, shuts the door in in this company in Faces International, and he says. He said, you, he said, you're not giving a dime to the to this place. He said, I want here's my phone number. He said, call me when you get home. I want I want to meet with you. And I, I'm like, he, he's and he kind of laid it all out. He said, you didn't. He said, you need to. This did not go where I thought it was going. No. I th- I thought you were gonna say that you're. I'm sorry. I, I thought, was ready. I was ready to write a check, man. Well, I thought you were gonna say your girlfriend overheard them say. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I thought you were gonna say. And she was like, No, no, we're getting you out of here. That's what I thought. That's you were gonna hilarious, say. man. No, he tells me. He said, You know what? I mean, and he was their top dude. I mean, mm-hmm. he he was their money maker. So he became your mentor. Well, he said he pulled me in the room. He said, Call me tonight. I go, Okay. He said, You don't you don't need to be you don't need to do this. I'm just telling you, just trust me on this. Okay. You know, and I, again, I had no one helping me, so I had to take people's words for it and figure out if I made a mistake or not. Right. I get home, I call him. He says, can you come over to my place? He said, I got a guy over here right now. That Once I'm, again, not creepy. Not, not, and I was I'm going, man, can you come over to my place? You know, We're in L.A. Yeah, know. man. And he's not, you know, he's a younger guy. And I'm like, what? okay, so I said, I'm taking it. I'm going to take a chance, man. I said, I got my I got my baseball bat in my car. I, <laughs> I'm country. That's right. That's right, man. I got my I got my tire checker with me, and um, so I get over there, and you know he was over in Hollywood somewhere. He he said, now I got someone here, a meeting me, uh, another guy I'm working with. I said, okay, well that's good. So I get over there, and he says, and he kind of laid it out for me. He said, look. He said, I think you have, I think you got some, I think you can really do this. You got the it factor. And so, yeah, so I think he said, I, I, I think his idea was, I could possibly manage you. Okay. So he, he saw opportunity. Yeah. A bigger opportunity than just making four. He just, saw, he saw, he saw the big picture. Yeah. He saw opportunity of maybe, of getting out of that place. Right. And getting involved in managing actors that were really going to go out there and, and work. Okay. So. He said, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go and roll in Beverly Hills Playhouse, which was an acting class. It was a, it was, it was a kind of a top shelf acting class. Milton Kitsellis, it was his class. Mm-hmm. And um, the Beverly, it, it, it was at the Beverly Hills Playhouse. And um, I mean, Dom DeLuise was going there at the time. A lot of big actors were going there at the time. Dom DeLuise? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of big, a- there was a lot of big, big actors at that time that were going there at that time mm-hmm. that were just keeping their, you know, keep themselves shut. Yeah. yeah. So he said, I want you to go there and enroll and I want you to I want you to go there for a while. And I want you to just kinda get your get your legs in this in this craft. So I did. And I and I said, okay. What was the hardest part whenever you went in there? Because you know you probably thought, okay, I got this thing. Oh in the acting class? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I, golly, man, I went in and I initially I go in and I was, I mean, I was terrified the first night I was there. Right. They didn't tell you like be a chair or some shit like that. No, 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 no. <laughs> there were there were some exercises, but not like that. Um, it was all it was all scene study. Okay. And what they would do, you and it took place in the theater and. The acting teacher would sit in the very front row, and you know there's the stage. So people, you would prepare scenes during the course of the week, and come back that following week, Mm -hmm. and you would do your scene, and then you'd sit on the edge of the stage, and he would critique you, and talk to you about the entire scene from beginning to end, and the whole process of where you where you were, and how you got there, and what the you know the whole deal. So, so are, 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 by, by, are you one of those kind of actors where, where you come up with the whole, okay, my my character was doing this 20 minutes before he's, the scene started? Yeah, you, you'd have to, yeah, cause, because they would, we would talk about, and he would teach you how to find your motivation as to far as, far as you know, okay, where, where, first of all, where were you coming from? Right. Because that's going to that's gonna dictate how you even walk through the door. Mm-hmm. You know, and so gives you your motivation. Gives you your motivation. Start your choices. Yeah, we start your choices then, mm-hmm. because that's going to dictate your next choice, and that's going to dictate the next choice when you run in that that other person. If you run into that other person, yeah, what what happened previously is going to set the tone for everything. Yeah, and it's going to you know, and so we. So you really did start laying the groundwork. I started right then. laying the groundwork yeah. right then. So I said, okay, I, and I was terrified, and I said, I'm in. I'm I'm going for this, man. I. And then did I, you learn how to audition there too? Because that you know, is a process within itself. You know what? Well. And I, no, I didn't learn how to audition there. It, this was really interesting. I, I learned the whole audition process is so different from the actual job. <laughs> and I, and it, it really, at, at this point in my career, I go, why do they do this to actors? Mm-hmm. Because the, what, what they create at an audition is the most... It, it, it's such an environment that does, it, it's not conducive to generating an, a great, safe environment to do the best job that you could possibly do. Sure. It, it's, it's almost like they set you up for failure. You're like, why do you try to, you know, I, I, and I want to ask every casting director, and I have run into those few casting directors, where you're like, okay, this is what an audition should be, because they create an environment where they are in it with you, right? They're in the scene with you. They're making it as comfortable as they can, so you can do the best job you can do. Right. It's not like okay, let's make this the worst possible scenario. You know, make it the most intimidating situation we can make it. Right. And then see what he can do. Right. Right. And you're like, okay, that's that's about as unsafe as it gets. Whereas when you're on a set, it has to be a place that you can take risks and be safe. I mean, directors want that, so you can, so you can give them all the all that you have. So you sure. can kind of rip your flesh open and go, "Here I am. Right. I'm right. I'm naked as a jaybird, <laughs> and I feel, and I'm okay because and I mold me. I'm here. Mold me, yeah. and I'm vulnerable. Yeah. I and I'm not. You know, I'm not. Okay, he needs to leave and get out of here. And they'll be like, "Leave, get out of here." Even, and, great. You know, they want. I mean, when when they're shooting you or filming you. Sure. They want you to be able to give your best performance. 
this is I'm talking about on the job, right? As opposed to the audition process. So I had to learn. I had to learn both. Man, the jo- once I got the job, I was like, yes, because now I'm in my element. Right, right. The audition. I learned to love the audition process because I, I, I finally. You did finally learn to love it. I did it? finally learn okay. to love it because I kind of finally, I, I gained the attitude of you know what, I'm gonna go in there, mm-hmm. and. Contrary to what they might be putting across, or what they might trying to be create, trying to create for me, as far as being intimidated or whatever, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to create the most risk-free environment I can create. Mm-hmm. I don't care what they're doing. Sure. I'm going to go in there so that they might leave and they might be speechless. Right. And go, you know, I I had a, I had fun. Because I enjoyed this, and I'm going to go in there, and I'm not going to care. Sure. I'm going to care about what I'm doing, but I'm not going to care. Especially now, again, I've I've come across a couple casting directors. They they want to see you win. Right, right. So and you're like, oh, this is ideal. Right, right. So now we're going to do something great right now together. Right. I've also been in the room more times than not, where they're sitting there with their arms crossed. Why are you? So why are you here? Uh, because I want to read. I want to read this, and I want to get this job. And, you know, I've had I, I've had real hard nosed, nasty. I don't know if they're bitter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Tired, maybe. Tired. Tired of the you know the machine of eight, because they see they do see a million different people. Sure. And probably a lot of junk. Probably hor- like just terrible stuff. I'm sure. And sure. I and I get and I and I do I, 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 I give most I give them the benefit of the doubt. Right, right. I said you know what, and that's another thing that enabled me to be able to create an environment for myself in a situation like that to do the best job I can because I, I I would go in there and go you know what, I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna I'm gonna make this entertaining for them because I'm gonna just be me and I'm gonna let it all go. So that they don't have to endure something dreadful, right, right. and then they, that's what's going to get their attention. Like, oh wow, you know, this guy—he just came in here completely stripped of any kind of. You leave it all on the table. I leave it all on the table. Yeah. And and I'm gonna and I'm gonna leave it all on the table for him. So they go, wow. That just made my day. Yeah, where's that guy been all my life? Right, and that's my yeah. goal every time. Yeah, yeah, you know whether I whether I accomplish that or not, that's what I go in. Do you know it when you when you've done oh, it? Oh, when, when I when I've done it, I know it. Ah. and you walk out going, oh, man, that fun. it was it was like doing scenes in acting class that you know you nailed. Now, have you ever like had that feeling? Go, ah, God, nailed the hell out of it, and then didn't get the call. Back. Absolutely. Uh, and and then and then uh, and then the only thing that I I can do at that point is you know what. Usually when I nail it, mm-hmm. I get the call back, and it's for the producers, directors, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't get it, then really it's just a matter of type and what they had in mind uh, for the part. Uh, so it has nothing to do with the skill or nope. the presentation. It's, it's, to like, do with it's what... like, man, we loved him. Right. I just experienced that. Um, just experienced that two weeks ago. Uh-huh. And it was for this... And you're gonna love this. It was, it was so ridiculous, and I'm almost embarrassed to say it. I because, it, and I say this humbly, but I say it because I get frustrated. I don't want to go get in a fight, so somebody can punch me in the face. Um, what? I, 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 it was for this show called uh, Shots Fired. 
Okay. It's on a. Is it a cop show? Well, it's it's a show kind of. It's a, it there's it's cops are involved in it. It's, it takes place in, in one of the Carolinas in mm-hmm. the deep south, and it revolves around. Uh, it's a racially driven uh, crime. So it's like uh, <clears throat> uh, what was that McConaughey movie? Uh, oh, uh, uh, the, about the, not, Gr- the Grisham book. Uh, oh, oh, a oh, time to kill. Yeah. But in reverse. Oh, okay. And it was it. No, sorry, it wasn't in reverse because. Yes, it was in reverse because it, it um a, a a black cop shoots and kills a white kid. That's and, what happens in, in in yeah it wasn't a, a cop though it was a black guy uh, shot killed a white guy. Oh, well, because they his raped his daughter. His daughter. Yeah. No, you're right. You're, yeah. that, you're right. That's yeah. what, I was thinking the daughter died, but she didn't die. He yeah. went and she killed the cop. Yeah. Or, or killed the, uh, was, not the cop. I was like, he had every right to kill He killed the redneck. Yes. That, that, that raped Who his daughter. Who deserved to die. Oh, yes. he, oh, man, oh, I would have done the same thing. I would have, I have two daughters, so yeah. I'm and like, I have a daughter. Yeah, and yeah. I would, oh, I, I, I'm like, okay, I empathize with this I guy. I give this guy a pass. Absolutely. <laughs> so this take, but this was a, a black cop that killed a white kid. So in, you know, in light of everything that's going on in our country today. Right. You know, that's a, it's, you know, so it's very, very, uh, it's a current. And is it, it's a movie or a show? TV show. So is it a series? It's, like, uh-huh. It's on, um, you know, all these new cable series, man, mm-hmm. that it's a great series and it's in its. I didn't know if it was like True Detective where they did like, you know, 10 you know episodes. It might be then, in its first season. Okay. Still. And, um, uh. You're going to play uh, a good guy or a bad guy? It was, well, no, the funny thing was I was going to play, I read and I knew, I said, man, I nailed this. And it was the part I was gonna play. I was gonna come on as a guest, a recurring role, okay. you know. And it was for um, uh, this Republican candidate running for governor named Penrode, Pen Motor. And uh, but he was this kind of just too nice of a guy who was who used and and manipulated the system. <laughs> To further his political career, he was totally trying to politicize this crime. Sure. To because he was running, he's running for governor at the time. Okay. So I'm going to talk to the victim's son, saying this was a racist crime. This should have never happened. And and I go, you know, and this whole scene, and I go, man, I, I said I feel so good about this. Well, they call and check my availability for it. And I said, because yes, it's a great show. It's got, um, oh man, it, oh, uh, uh, well. Has some uh, great actors in it. It was a uh, uh, his name escapes me. Um, um, Richard Dreyfus, um, Helen Hunt. Um, all these are like regulars on the show. Oh, wow. So it's going to be a big. Sh- it's yeah. going to be a great show. Is it going to be a Showtime or HBO? It's going to be a, a, a what was the channel? It might be like an FX or, or Netflix, a, maybe. A ne- it might be a Netflix thing or maybe an Amazon thing. Okay. Um, but they're all doing their series. Oh yeah, now. yeah. That's so whole, once again, Wild Wild West. Yes, and a lot and a lot of those shows are way better than what's on network television. There, there was a poll that came out the other day, <clears throat> so I, I couldn't figure out the the uh, Netflix like raised their their uh, monthly because uh, I'm hooked on Netflix oh, and Hulu. Yeah, me too. Uh, so, but they they raised their rate like three dollars, and I was like, what's what's up with that? And then I, I 
later on, a couple of weeks later, I read where there was a poll where more people are interested in Netflix original content than wow. they are on the regurgitated content yes. that they play. So it made sense to me. I'm like, okay, if you're going to continue putting out great content, you're going to have to pay the people to do it. Yeah, that's so true, it man. Sense. It's like Amazon. Amazon's doing the same thing. There's a new Amazon series they're casting. Right now, I, I can't remember. I don't know what it is, but my agent just said, you know, Amazon's doing a new show now, and so they're all doing that because people do. They love the original stuff, and and then another one, I, again, I go, man, I nailed this. And, oh, oh, so let me go back real quick. The reason I didn't get, I mean, they checked my availability. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was three days before this part was to start shooting, and in, uh, in North Carolina, and I'm like, oh, that's great, man. I'm, I got it. I mean, I feel, and I try not to do that just when they check your availability because I know this business, and I, I, you know, it's just like the music business. But you so, can't help but get excited. No. You get a song on hold and you get excited. Exactly. In your mind, you it's already cut. Yep. And I go, gosh, man, I, I knew I nailed that. Well, my agent calls me, like that after the weekend passed. I, it, this part started on Tuesday. She called me Monday morning and she goes, okay. She was so livid. She goes, I am so mad. She said. So she says, so was the casting director. She said, everybody in creative loved you. She said, everybody. And then the network, finally the network said, and th this is where I'm embarrassed to say it because I don't want it to sound come off the wrong way, but they said, you know what? He's too good looking. Uh... And I said, too good. <laughs> I said, oh man. I said, what does that mean? I said, Do, does somebody need to come break my nose or something? Oh, man. And I said... Sounds know, like an excuse. I know. And I yeah. said, come on. So they said, she said, oh, she said everybody was I, I so I mean, if angry. that was the case, then McConaughey would never be in anything. No. And and I said, come on, man. I said, I don't know what to do. I, so I don't know what... When it finally came, when it came down to... Uh, no, no, no. It, it's, it was ABC. That's what I'm... It was ABC. Because uh, I remember okay. now that I said no word, ABC. And... and uh, so I don't know what happened. I mean, she said everybody that had to do with the entire show was on board. Dang. And then the network has the final say, obviously. Right, right. And they said... Do you think it had to do with... Well, if you said ABC, isn't Nashville on ABC? Yeah. And it could, so do you think it could have been... It could have had, to do, had to do with that. Nashville's on ABC. General Hospital's on ABC, which I used to be on. Uh-huh. I would think that would play in my favor. I don't know, because okay. I'm currently on Nashville. Um, so I don't know, man. I... So that was a bummer, but that, just to give you an example sure, sure. of that happening, right. of where I where I went, man, and I, you know, it was in the bag, even down to all the way to the network. Right. And uh, so, it, so, so, what? So you learned the process of auditioning. Yeah. You've got that down. You 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 started honing your craft. How old were you when you got the audition for the soap opera? Okay. And I, how did that happen? What, what, what took to, place? And how, did you get an agent and they set it up? Well, and... while I was at the Beverly Hills Playhouse, okay. during the course of that, two, I was there two years, and I was just immersed for two years in that. In that, that was my college, if you will. Did That's you how, plays while you were doing it, or did you just, were you just learning the craft? No, no, I did, I did some plays. I did plays, too, because okay. that was part of it. They, okay. they, they had you audition for plays and do plays mm -hmm. while you were in class because that was a very theater oriented. Sure, you sing. Work. Did you ever do musicals? Um, I never did a musical. <laughs> I know, isn't that funny? And and I always did music on outside of the acting world. Right, role. right. And um, until I got into TV, and then they started incorporating my music into TV soap operas when I started doing that. So, um, 
during the course of that two years at the Beverly Hills Playhouse, mm-hmm. one, of, one of my fellow actors said, hey, I want you to meet my uh, theatrical agent. I had I got a commercial agent on my own, started doing commercials left and right. That's what was, and then I was able to quit my day job because uh, of the commercials, fund my acting class yeah. and live while I was studying acting. And uh, I was so fortunate to be successful in the commercial sure. world because, you know, that was one or two days of work, and then you get paid, like, a song. Residuals. Back then, yeah, it was yeah. really good. It was like every time the commercial was on, you were paid, like, a radio playing a song. Yeah, yeah. So I was, and I was... Is it still that way, or is it, no, has that changed? For the most part, it's buyouts, ah. and it's not great buyouts, but back then is when it was... Right. It's, it's like It's like everything, man. Do a national commercial, and you're, you Dude. set you up for a year. Oh, do a national commercial, and that might you might see 100 grand. More I mean, a year. <laughs> yeah. So if you, you, you could, I mean, you're going, okay, if I play my cards right and I'm, you know, frugal, and I, could, I don't have to worry about sure. outside work and focus on what I'm focusing on. And that, if you, get, if you do enough commercials like that, mm-hmm. and, you know, some commercials were better, you'd hit on those good ones mm-hmm. now and again. You'd get a national that went and they played the heck out of it. Right. So that, I was very blessed in that reach sense. So then I started just, I was, going to acting class I was rehearsing scenes with people during the week um, but I was still working a job I never stopped working a job even after I started working kind of uh, what work were you doing I was working I had a and the only reason I didn't quit my job I was able to quit because of the commercials after a point mm-hmm. but I didn't because I wanted to make sure that this was going to be steady sure so sure. I, I worked at this publishing company that, uh, that my mom worked at because we all did from mm-hmm. the time we were got out of high school dude I did I'll tell you I was a receptionist uh-huh. and I'm not embarrassed to say hey, I was a receptionist work is work I was, I was a data processor okay a word, word, uh, yeah, I was a, a word processing input guy uh-huh. I worked in the directories department um, I delivered and installed waterbeds. That was really smart of your mom too, because that helped you develop some skills. So hypothetically, if it hadn't worked out, yeah, you you could have. Oh, I can, I had yeah, a yeah, lot of fallback. Yeah, I, I worked construction. I built. I learned how to. I learned how to build apartments and houses. Mm-hmm. Um, my gr- and every aspect of it, plumbing, electrical, all that stuff. And that's pro- I probably would have been a, a contractor if the acting thing didn't work out, because I loved building. Okay. So, um, I did that. Delivered and installed waterbeds. I. <laughs> I mean, I, you name it, I did it because I just wanted to. I wanted to be able to facilitate and sure. my my acting thing. So, how were you when you when when so so you you did this on the? I mean, obviously, while you're at the Playhouse. This all happened relatively really quickly. fast. I mean, I was at the Playhouse for two years, and I turned 21 when I was at the Playhouse because I started when I was 19, mm-hmm. and I met a guy there who said. You need to meet my agent, who was a theatrical agent. Mm-hmm. Great. So I met met with his agent. They started sending me out on stuff. I booked booked a, a guest star on a, a guest spot on a TV show. You remember the show? Yeah. Uh, it was uh, it was the Munsters today. It was the remake of the Munsters. <laughs> it, 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 it was terrible, but it was <laughs> but it was uh, but the people were awesome. Sure, I, I, mean, I love the Munsters. It, they it, were the, awesome. It was great, man. It was it was John Shuck. And um, and Lee Merriweather, and uh, um, oh, what year was this? Oh gosh, this was. Uh, I, I let's see. I'm going by my girlfriend's. <laughs> see, <laughs> that sounds terrible. That sounds terrible, man. Um, this had to be. This was um, 
This was, this was like 86. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I said I was I was with Maria then. Okay. That was 86. Um, so the Munsters today, and and uh, and I played. So I was I had a little recurring part on that. That was my first TV show gig. Okay. And I played the normal boy, Marilyn's normal boyfriend who lived next door to the Munsters. And so, <clears throat> so that I started doing that, and then I then I booked uh, then I bo- started booking some little part like I booked a part in a mini series called I know my first name is Steven with uh Corin Nimick and uh and uh um oh uh Steve Steven um Dorf I don't know if you know Steve Dorf the songwriter but it was his kid Steven Dorf who's it's he's a, is an actor he's a successful actor now too we worked together at that time on that it was a mini series a big mini series mm-hmm. and then um did a, did a few more small roles on other TV shows couple movies and then I said man I'm, I need something steady I'm, I, want, I just want to I want to work mm-hmm. I know I, I don't want to do something and then have to go through I, want, I don't want to go okay now I got to audition and wait for the next one to come along I just want to work right so I said maybe it's, maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm ready for a soap you know because I just want to be I want to be in one spot I had met my wife at this point um, oh oh you had already met Melissa this was you met her before you started the the, the soap before I started the set, well, no, I met her. Actually, I had done the monsters. I had done those other few things, uh-huh. and then I went up for Days of Our Lives. This is when I decided to go up for a soap. The when first, you met her, the first, <laughs> and then I met her, and it was 1988. It was the summer of '88, and I get this gig on Days of Our Lives, this reoccurring character, and I was on there for about almost a year, and. Um, me and my buddy Steve Burton, uh, who was on General Hospital forever, and he's, he's on the Young and the Restless now, but um, he and I... He's met, the, the musician, right? He's the one that, that I do a, uh, a Port Chuck with, which is the 80s up. band. <clears throat> yeah, that, I, I, uh, that came up in another interview. Oh, it did? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny, man. Yeah, it did. It came up in another interview, and they were, they were trying to remember all the people that were involved in the band. It was the management at Zany's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. Brian? Uh, no, it was, uh, uh, they're the owners, Brian Dorfman, oh, that's right, that's Brian right. Dorfman, yes, yes, it was, yes. uh, Casey Ray. Yes, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, and I'll, 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 I'll let you know when that happened, because that, <laughs> that's our, that's our 80s cover band. It, okay. And, um, which is, it, it's kind of crazy what that, what that turned into. Um, so anyway, Steve and I met on Days of Our Lives, 1988. We were both up for the same part. He gets that role. They say, no, you're right for a different role. So they hire me too. Meet my wife in 88. I'm, I'm 22. Mm-hmm. 21. I hadn't, I hadn't turned 22 yet. So we, uh, I, I said, okay, I'm doing this soap. But then I started booking other stuff while I was doing the soap. Booked this giant movie that was going to go shoot in Kenya for like three months. Starring role. Here's another, I mean, this is so... This happens in Hollywood all the time. Um, at the time, a, a director that was directing a lot of stuff, and it was a big movie. And um, so, my, I mean, my agent, I, I go to Days of Our Lives, because they hadn't signed me to a contract yet. They were, I was just recurring, but I was working all, all the time on there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, that, that's actually probably the best way to work on a soap, because you're free to do other stuff mm-hmm. if it comes up. Right. Oh, so, and you're not? If you're signed to a contract, If you're signed you to a contract, it? it's up to, they can let you out or not. 
I don't care if you get a movie with Steven Spielberg. They can go, no, can't let you go, man. We got a story written for you. That's that's what happened to Tom Selleck. Did you know that? He was locked into something and he couldn't do something. He he was locked into Magnum P.I. and couldn't take the role of Indiana Jones. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding you. See, that's then that's on a soap that can really happen because you're you're locked in for three year stints. Mm-hmm. I mean, locked in. I mean, you if if a great nighttime TV show comes up, sorry, we got a story. We, you know, you, you're well. Make me feel better and tell me that the movie that was supposed to be big didn't become big. It didn't even happen. So yes, that's what a better happened? story. Yes, but this is funny. I so it was I, Back to the Future. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna laugh. This is funny. I. Uh, I get the, so I get the, I, I, I'm doing Days of Our Lives. During the course of Days of Our Lives, like in December, I'm supposed to wrap it up because I'm, I'm supposed to start, go start this movie January 4th in Africa. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got my shots. I went, we went shopping. They got all my wardrobe. We went through the whole rigmarole of casting everybody. And it was a fairly good-sized budget. I, let, I give Days of Our Lives my notice. I said, hey, you know, and they're like, well, we were going to put you under contract. I said, well, you should have said that six months ago, but I can't, I'm sorry. This is a, I got to go, you know? That just made them want you more. Yeah. So they, they finally, they wrote the character, they finished the character out. In the meantime, I get Friday the 13th, part eight. Manhattan. Jason takes Manhattan. Okay. And, uh, and I, I go, I can't do it, you know, it's I, I can't do it, man. I got I got this other thing that's going to Africa and blah blah blah. So I I put everything aside. I'm going to Africa to shoot a big movie. Well, literally two days before we're supposed to fly to Africa, I get a call from um, the director, and he said, "Man, he said it's, we're, we're we're kind of we're on hold for a week because of finances. They're 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 giving you know." And I'm like, I didn't know. I mean, that, I mean, my agent had thrown me a party for getting my first big starring role in a good movie. And, it, I mean, it was, we had, they made the biggest to-do out of it. So I thought, okay, this is it, man. I'm on my way. And Did you then, wonder what you were going to do in Africa for all this time? Oh, man, yeah. I'm going to get eaten by a tiger or something. Yeah, because it was, it took, it was called Elephants Never Forget. And it took place out in the, you know, out in the, uh, the, Oh, whatever, whatever. The jungle. The jungle. It was like the jungle. Yeah, like the Serengeti. Oh, God. And um, so, but I, and, you know, I was, I was young. I'm like, oh, whoa, this is an adventure. I'm doing a big movie in Africa. So they let he, and I go, okay, no, no worries. You know, that this happens, you know. Mm-hmm. So week goes by. Uh, mind you, I had gotten all, I had, they sent me to these, the travel place to get my shots and all this stuff. So I got all those crazy shots, bought all my wardrobe at the Beverly center with the wardrobe lady week goes by they call me man it's going to be another week or two before everything gets put into place they're just it's everything stuff's getting hung up money wise well two weeks go by and they're like man they're like apparently this is getting indefinitely put on hold who was the who was the producer or the director you know what Golly, man. He's not, I don't know what, back then he did, he was doing, I, if I looked him up, because I could look up, um, what, was he, what were some of the other movies he did? 
He hasn't. And then after a few movies, then he kind of you he, he didn't hear you didn't really hear about. Okay, him. so he did hit a couple. And then he just he hit a couple. He, he was like on a roll uh-huh. back in the and then he pissed somebody the off 80s, and he disappeared. And then you didn't and you didn't hear it. Never did he, is that what happened? I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that very well could have happened. Um, but anyway, you know, so he moved on to another project, and and uh, so I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I'm like, you know, you're you're you're. Shit! So you now you don't even need to now I'm, you now I'm left with contract. nothing. No, now I now I left the day, I left days. Mm-hmm. Said I'm gone. Well, oh a week later, you get a little bit scared. Yeah, I was like, what do I do, man? I'm gonna I'm, I gotta get back out there and pound the pavement. Yeah. And I said a week later, my agent calls me and said, well, you're not gonna believe this, but Friday the 13th called. And apparently the guy that they hired after a week is not working out. Felt bad for the guy, you know. And I, they said they want to know if you want to come up and, and take over and do it. Mm-hmm. I said, yes. I said, I need a job. <laughs> Hell yeah. Bring on, Jason. Bring it on, man. I, I mean, you know, and at that time, that was good money. I mean, right. I, you know, I, and I said, yeah. I How'd said, you die in the movie? I didn't. I, I was what? Like, yeah, dude. How do you how do you freaking get in a, a Friday the Thirteenth movie and you don't get you're, killed? You're gonna laugh because and and you know of course when you're making these movies these these horror films especially back then uh-huh. you know the first four were because that was like eighty nine that was eighty nine damn I'm, I'm good wow that we did it in eighty nine and it came out in eighty nine I did it by girlfriends and I'm <laughs> <laughs> that's what dude that was that was um, eighty nine well I mean twenty that was twenty. Seven years ago, you didn't really have to put a number on it, like dude. That, you know, I, <laughs> but when we, you know, when you're, we're, we're up there and we, we we shot for two months in Vancouver, British Columbia, it's supposed to take place in New York. <laughs> we shot two days in Times Square, and that was that was the only time we were in New York. And so we're because it takes place mostly in the subways and the um, sewage uh, system in New York. Okay, because that's where we we eventually lead Jason down into the sewage system which we come to find out floods out with toxic waste at midnight every night and he's chasing us through there and we find a manhole and, and he, you know bare, he's, he almost gets to us and you hear this rumbling and he gets just dissolved by toxic waste Okay. and we you know so, so there were multiple survivors multiple, no just me and the girl Okay. Oh, so you were at it throughout the whole movie oh yeah 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 so and, awesome. and it's funny at the time you know, you're going, man, this is going to be the best one ever. You know, the first four Friday the 13th were kind of scary and, and good. At, up in that, up in, after that, you're like, okay, this is so campy and bad. You just got to embrace it. And so Do I you look, remember who made their uh, acting debut in the first one? In the first, uh, oh gosh, there was a few people who made their acting debut. Uh, let's um, just say we all have six degrees from them. Oh, Kevin Bacon. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You're right. You know what? And in the fourth one, Corey Feldman was in it. Yep, yeah. Um, gosh, I'm trying to. I'd have to look back because I know it sprinkled throughout. I know, I know, I there know. Were actors, absolutely, big absolutely. actors. I'm, yeah. and I'm gonna be a nerd here. Do you remember who was in the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? Made their debut. I know, but I do in Halloween. Obviously. Johnny Depp. He was Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, that Jamie was, Lee that Curtis. Was Jamie Lee Curtis yep. was a Halloween. Absolutely. Wow, man. And I remember back in those days. This you're, you're gonna oh man. There were so many things that you wonder. Okay, if, if I had done this, where would that have gone? 
I booked this. Remember 21 Jump Street? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking I booked, of Johnny Depp. I broke, I mean, I booked a killer guest starring role on that. And Stephen Cannell, I don't know if you remember Stephen Cannell. Were you a good guy or a bad guy? Uh, I was not a bad guy. I was a tortured guy. Ooh, those are fun. It right? was a great role. Yeah. I booked this role. I knew that that was another one. I go, oh, man, I, I killed that. It felt so good. Mm-hmm. Well, Stephen Cannell, and that's when there was a million pilots happening. TV shows were being made left and right. Mm-hmm. Pilots were getting done. There was a bunch of money in that world. And they were spending it. Stephen Cannell and Patrick Hasberg, 21 Jump Street was their show. They created it. They created MacGyver. They created all those shows in that era. Mm-hmm. Well, I booked this 21 Jump Street, and Stephen Cannell, and, and I was up for another pilot he was doing at the same time. Okay. And he wanted me, he said, you know what? And it was, it's just, these were those hard moments where you're like, oh, I just want to be able to do everything. He said, I want you to come in. I want you to go to network on this pilot. And it, that was right in the middle of this episode. So I, he said, and it was his show. So he's like, you know what? I'd rather you go in on the pilot instead of doing this episode of 21 Jump Street. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's hard because this is a, killer episode it would be great for my reel at the same time this was it a pilot picked up or was it just no, a pilot that got pilot uh, you, that you didn't know if it was going to get picked up but it could have potentially got right, picked up and yeah. you could be in a, it could be your series yeah so I go in um, I, I'm like oh, Steven I said dang it I said this is he said I, but hey man if, if the network wants you for this he said that could be a good thing it was called, it was called uh, what was it called? Because there was another thing I was up for with Brad Pitt. Oh, wow. Glory Days. And it was okay. another Stephen Cannell pad. They were bringing us all in because there was a group of actors back in the day. Uh-huh. And we were all part of this group. You'd see the same four or five guys being brought in on Just everything. Just the type? That, that type. Yeah. It was the core actors that were their go-to guys. Hey, bring, bring them in. It was me, Brad, Luke Perry. Jason Priestley. Um, did, you ever, did you ever try for, uh, you should just name two people, so have you ever tried out for that Beverly Hills? Oh, I, I, no, I was doing Friday the 13th when they were casting. Oh, okay. And, I, and I'm going, part of me goes, I wish I was able to, because Luke and I went up on everything mm-hmm. against each other. We were buddies, I mean, but we went up on everything against each other, because we he and Jason and I and Brett were all that same type of guy right, right. back in the day. So they would bring all of us in for that stuff. And um, so Stephen Cannell and Patrick Casper, we were like, we were there, and Rob Estes was another one of us guys who he would bring in this group mm-hmm. to try out for these particular types of roles. And young, leading guy kind of thing, and mm-hmm. just the same type of role. Were you all competitive against each other? No, you know what? It was funny, man. Everybody was so like, dude, hey, man, I hope you, if you get it, you were meant to get it. And That's awesome. We were all That's super awesome. like, go for it, man. Yeah, yeah. I hope if you, I hope you get it. If I don't, right. And and um, so one of us would always book it. And um, so anyway, so that that was another story where I had to turn something down because I was told to by the guy who, who owned the show right. to go t- try out for another one of his shows for the network, which I didn't get Rob got. Right. And I'm like, okay, that sucks. I just, so I had to, but those were the chances you had to take. Were you already dating Melissa at this time? No. Okay. That was, pre- and then, 
that's when I was got so. Fr- I'm like, man. I said emotionally, man, this is a roller coaster ride because I'm 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 getting these things and then I'm getting close to these things, and I'm like, I just want something where I could just know I'm I, I got an acting gig for a while. Right. I got to that point after a while, and I said, I'm gonna. Maybe I should just go do a soap for a while, just to be able to satisfy that. Were you in a position where you could just say that and they'd pick you up, um, or, or kind? I mean, I didn't know that I was. Mm-hmm. I just thought, man, I don't know if it was I was, I was um, overly confident because I was doing so well with other stuff. Sure. And I was booking stuff, and I was, you know, I was doing these things, and I so, you know, so I kind of went in with that attitude yeah. of like, of like. Yeah, I'll just go in and I, I'll probably get this, but you know what? It was that's terrible right, to say, right, but right. at that, you know, I'm young and probably I was. I mean, I was a nice guy, but I, I might have been too, you know. How were you? Too cocksure for you know. Um, I was uh, 21. Oh, oh, you were 21 when you went permanent. Yeah. Wow. And and, it, and oh yeah, all of these things happened within the first two or three years of what I was doing. Oh, it happened wow. like that. And then, well, I take that back, semi-permanent. Okay. Because Days was the first, I, I went in for Days, mm-hmm. and I booked this recurring role on mm-hmm. So I said, okay, cool. You know what? It's recurring, which is actually not bad, because I still can go read for other stuff while I'm working, and sure. that's the best case scenario. Right. I get to go to work, and I can go still be available for stuff. I'm working on Days, meet, meet Melissa, and... So during the course of that time, Steve leaves and he goes and does a show called Out of This World, <clears throat> which is about a robot girl. It was a sitcom um, back in the back in the late '80s, early '90s, um, and he started doing that stuff. And, um, and that's then, what offered you to, to bring you back. That's what got you back. That's what, today's. Uh, yeah. No, no. I was I was already never there. went back to days. I was already at days. Okay. With Steve, he went on to do that. Mike Park got bigger because of that. Oh, okay. Because it's like we didn't have to share that anymore. Okay. I was the high school guy. Ah. I played a high school guy. Um, and so I was busy on days. Then this movie comes up, the Africa movie. Uh-huh. I had met my wife already, but I didn't know she was going to be my wife. I didn't, I, we didn't even what? date. What? We didn't date to the... No chemistry? No nothing? No, we were with a, we were with a, dating other people at the time. And I was actually engaged. Oh, and, uh, it was, so you're not going to admit to the Kim? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to say that I didn't notice her. Okay. And, um, I get it. I so get I it. said, but I was, you know, I was, I was, a, I was a good guy, and I'm like, you know what? Okay. And so I left. I went to go do this movie that didn't happen. Right. Left with nothing. And then well, you decided to come back. Didn't even come back to days. So you went to General Hospital? Nope. I, okay. Four months after I leave, um, I start, or a couple months after I left, I start dating Missy. Okay. Because I had stopped, I was over there on with the, having a meeting with someone uh, for another show or audition. Mm-hmm. I stopped by the studio because I uh, over the course of the year I made friends with everyone there. So I'm gonna stop by. It's right there in Hollywood. I'm gonna stop by just say hi real quick. Hop in the makeup room. Hey, you know. And so Missy was in there, and uh, she called me over to the makeup chair just to ask me a quick question. And I didn't you remember even, the question. Um, she's yeah. How how old are you? <laughs> And I said, oh, I said, I'm uh, 21. Said, oh, okay, I just, I was I was curious, you know, I knew, she said something about, oh, yeah, I knew you were hanging out with so-and-so, and I just, I was just wondering, well, she, the reason she asked me that question, I come to find out, is because her makeup girl, Gail, at the time, said, you should, you should go out with Scott Reeves, because I, just from that one visit, and, uh, and she's like, I think 
think he's, I don't know, I think he's either too young or he's dating someone or something. Mm -hmm. And so that night, I go home. I go, that's so funny, man. I, I don't even know. And I had broken up with that girl. I'd broken off that engagement, you know, three months prior. Okay. And I, so I called Missy. I was hanging out with friends. Called Missy up. I said, hey. I said, I was just curious if you'd like to, you know, come over. And I have some friends coming over and wanted to know if you'd want to hang out. And watch some Netflix. Watch some Netflix. <laughs> and she said, sure. She had just broken up a month prior with her guy. So it's, yeah, let's hang out. Innocent. Great. We hit it off. And literally, the next morning I called her. I said, hey, man, I... You want I you, you want to hang out? I'm going to my parents' house to wash my dog and have dinner with them. I'm you know I'd love for you to come if you'd like. Okay, you know I can do laundry another day. So we were together every day from that point on. Oh my goodness! Yeah, well I'd say yeah. If you're and introducing that, them to the parents the next was, day. It, that was, was that first night with my friends was February 24th, 1989. Okay. Well, a month into it, literally we're we're like every morning she could meet up with me. We'd hang out all day. And for a month, and a month and a week later, mm-hmm. oh, and within that, within three weeks, that's when they called for Friday the 13th, after I had lost that other movie, I left days, so we had just started dating a couple weeks, they called me for Friday the 13th, you gotta fly to Vancouver for two months. Well, so, maybe... Three weeks after this we before start, before internet, before yeah. cell phones, before all that. Three weeks after we start dating, uh. I got to leave for two months, and we're like, and we we like we fell hard quickly. Okay. We fell so hard that five weeks after we started dating, I had within that five weeks I had to go to Vancouver. Three weeks into it, so I was up there for a couple weeks. She came up to visit me. And I proposed to her on April 1st. So it was five weeks into dating. And she was probably waiting for you to go, ha ha. Yeah. It was April Fool's Day. And I'll never forget, man. Uh, I was two weeks into filming. She comes up to visit. I take her out on a date in Stanley Park. We go. So what did you do? What would you, what, how did you propose? Well, I, I had my mom pack her ring in her suitcase unbeknownst to her. She told me where it was. And I went, and I found her suitcase. Doug found the ring. She didn't even know it was in there. Oh wow! Because my mom, my mom was good that way. And um, good mom. Yeah, she was awesome. And um, so we, I, I got the a hold of the ring. It was a weekend, so I was off. We had, we go to have dinner in Stanley Park, which is this killer, beautiful, wood wooded park up there, across the bay, mm-hmm. in Vancouver. I don't know if you ever have ever been to Vancouver. Never. Amazing place, and there's a bridge called the Lionsgate Bridge, and there's a point called Prospect Point, not far from this little place. I think it was called the Tea House. Mm-hmm. That we, it was all glass restaurant. Took her to dinner. We had a car. I had a car drive us. Took her to Prospect Point to show her the view of the Lionsgate Bridge. That, and it was all lit up. The city was right there, and I and I got down on my knee on Prospect Point. Uh, overlooking the Lionsgate Bridge and asked her to marry me on April 1st, five weeks into dating. Oh, wow. So, how, how long did it take, take for you guys to get married? What, one year. Okay. We were engaged for a year. And um, so, um, and I had, you know, I had done the days thing. We just met on days, mm-hmm. left, 
was doing Friday the 13th, after we started dating, got married, or I got engaged, after Friday the 13th, I started doing other stuff, mm -hmm. Disney, Disney, TV movie for Disney, uh, a feature film up in Washington, this, and she and I were already engaged all at this point. And then finally, y'all move in together. Did y'all wait till you get married. We waited yeah. till we got married, yeah, and then, um, and then, uh, and then I, uh, I said, you know, I said, man, I got. I, then I got tired of having to leave mm. to go do stuff, a movie here, a show here. I said, man, maybe I need to get back on a soap just to have, just to be here, sure, and be working steadily, and not having to go through that audition high and low and leave. So, you know, not a month after I started taking meetings, I, I booked The Young and the Restless. And that was in 1991. And uh, so, booked that. So you've been on three soaps? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't so know that. I was on, I was on Young, Young and the Restless for 12 years. Okay. And um, so, 91, I started doing The Young and the Restless. You're gonna to have to edit this so big time because I'm the biggest talk. I, I, no, it's okay. You gotta tell me to shut up. No, no, um, no. It's good stuff, man. <laughs> it's good stuff. Good, good. That's, that, that, well, that's what part of about Nashville is anyway. It's it's it's, it's literally just casual conversation. And the story. And, and, the story and it is about the stories. And, and and it's people that wouldn't have the opportunity to sit down and have this conversation with you to be able to, sure. to hear it. Go, and you know what? Man, I've never so had cool. anybody that was patient enough to really hear. Or, or that I had enough. It was always it's always radio interviews. It's like oh, oh we got forty five seconds. Junkets, you just go. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and uh, so uh, anyway, you're probably the first one who's gotten my life story beginning to end, uh, or being beginning to current. Um, so uh, anyway, we um, I booked the end of the restless ninety one, and that was great. I'm like oh man, a job, you know that I know I had, and I didn't have to worry about, and I could, and I was home. I was you know okay. We're gonna. Um, we had, oh, and we had already we got we got married in uh, in '90. So while I was doing all these other projects, we got married during the in, uh, March 23rd, 1990. During mm -hmm. the course of all that, got married. I went and did this Disney thing in Utah. I went and did this movie in Washington, and that's when I you know I'm married now, man. I just I want to stop having to leave. Mm -hmm. That's when I, I got the Young and the Restless. I said, oh, great. So now I'm home. I'm doing the Young and the Restless. She's doing Days of Our Lives. And and I did the Young and the Restless from 91 till the end of 2001. And even and that was, man, that was that was the TV heyday, man, when they were making movies of the week. Remember every Sunday yeah, night you'd have yeah. movies of the week. USA was making movies for the USA channel. And I was, I was, and that's when um, the soaps were really good about, hey, back then, mm -hmm. you know, this is awesome, you know, because if it's this, first of all, it's the same network, everything, they cross-promote everything, and it's only helping our audience, bringing more audience. Sure. So they, they would be okay for you to go do movies of the week and these TV movies. Sure. Great, take it, because they'd make them in three weeks, mm -hmm. and then you get back to work. This is pre TMZ, so so yes. what was what, what was it like in, in that type of atmosphere? I mean, especially being in LA. I mean, did, did I guess there really wasn't paparazzi back then, was there? You, you know, there it, it, there was it, that was when 
cameras used film and they had to get it developed and mm -hmm. and um and Sean Penn was punching people in the face yeah and, break, and breaking <laughs> and, 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 and ripping cameras. film out of cameras yeah, yeah. and they said oh man there goes my my pictures yeah well that you know now it's almost like you know as you're taking pictures you can almost be sending it to right, your computer cloud. as you're doing it so yeah it was it was a lot different back then in that in that sense but there still was pop in fact I feel like there was more it felt more like old school Hollywood back then because that's when the Roxbury was happening. Not only too, you know, any given night, the Roxbury was the club that the 90210 kids were hanging out at, yeah. getting in trouble at, causing causing ruckuses. Oh, they were in the new, they were in the Inquirer. That as soon was when, as you said Roxbury, though, I wanted to do my head like this. Yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. totally. And um, and that's you know, remember the Inquirer? Yes. I think it's still around, probably. Yeah, it is. And, but that was when, man, oh man, you oh you're in the Inquirer this week, or you're in you know you're in the gossip <laughs> section of People Magazine. Uh -huh. and Shannon Doherty was getting in trouble for popping off at people, and and um and so and you'd go you'd go down there to go out. And I wasn't really a clubber at that point because I was married. I was like, man, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm going to work and I'm getting home. But sure. I, we did, there were parties back, you know, there was a club called Spice and a lot of people would have their big birthday parties and, you know, their publicists would let all the paparazzi people know, oh, they're having a birthday party. So they'd show up and it'd create a scene mm -hmm. and that'd get attention. Then the magazines would be, you'd be in magazines. So and but they do it on purpose. Though. Oh, oh, big time. It was all, it was so set up. It's not funny. You think it's still that way? Even... To a degree, I mean, there's you know, the Roxbury especially, man. If they, if hey, um, sh you don't don't think Shannon Doherty published this, didn't call these magazines and say, well, you know, I mean, she could be hanging out at the Roxbury tonight. <laughs> Great, thanks. Well, they'd go send their photographers, and they would set these things. They would, it, a lot of it was set up, and um, you'd see, you know, you 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 can, you know, spot them a mile away though. The photographer, you know, they'd be trying to be inconspicuous at first, you know, hanging out. You know, you knew they were, they had their cameras, and they can be inconspicuous now, though. Now they can really be inconspicuous. Yeah, you don't know who. Well, I mean, who's got what? No, and I mean these lenses they they could see two miles away right. from a hill in or a tree in the air. or in the air. Yeah, and um and uh so yeah it was it it I mean gosh man it was it was so different even back then I mean yeah. you know I mean that was like I said 25 years ago back in that and um so it was that was back when. You know, there was a million great TV shows on, and they were, you know, on the do you, network. Do, do you ever feel like, you know, I heard you say, and I ask myself this question all the time, what if, or what if I would have done this, or yep. what if I would have done that? And, and I heard you say that earlier, you know, I, I, I sometimes wonder, what if? Do you think, do you ever have any reservations that maybe, you know, if you had taken a different path, maybe this would have taken you somewhere else? Or do you ever have those thoughts Acting wise? in the back of your head? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Just like the, you know, sometimes I look back on that one particular instance with Stephen Cannell. Mm -hmm. And if I'd have stood up and said, man, I really want to do this episode. Because mm -hmm. I feel like from an acting standpoint, it would have really showcased more of what I was, my ability. Sure. And I think, man, was it a recurring role? Or was it just no, episode? it was. It was just one episode, and, and I think, I, and the guy ends up committing suicide in the end. Oh, so it is and, well, um, dramatic. And it, yeah, it was like this dude had issues. He went AWOL. Uh, he goes AWOL in, in the military, wow. and they catch him, and it's it, it was a really emotional part. And, Why was Jump Street involved? They well, he this kid goes AWOL, 
and they, oh man, but I thought like, they were undercover high school. They cops. were they were undercover high school cops, and racking my brain to think of how that all tied into this. This was a kid. I don't know if it was a kid fresh out of high school. Mm-hmm. It was in the army, or it, I can't remember how that came into at what the into, what the details of that story were. Mm-hmm. But I know the kid was fresh. I think he was 19, uh-huh. and he goes AWOL, and so I can't remember how the Jump Street dudes... Who ended up getting it? Do you remember that? I don't Was it anybody know. that we'd know? Nobody. Oh. No. Nobody you'd know. I was going to say Scott Baird, but he's not. He's, he's out of the game. He's been out of the game a long time, but uh, it was nobody you'd know. It was... Okay. So... But I always wondered, now, if I had done that part... Sure. Would that have taken me in a different direction uh-huh. as far as how I was perceived you know the types of character wise or sure. whatever I, you know I just think ah oh, that's interesting so were there any roles that you ever turned down or auditioned for and didn't get and then turned out to be huge you know auditioned for and didn't get or, or, or you turned down you well, got them and you, you said nah I'm not going to do that and they ended up being big big time no, that was the only thing I turned down. After that, I said, "You know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna do everything. I'm gonna do everything." Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. might have been a mistake, not really, because it's, you know, I'm, I. You want to stay reason, working? Yeah, yeah I want to stay yeah. working. And that was every actor's mentality. It wasn't. You didn't. You didn't very often run into a young actor out there, a young starving actor, going, going. No, I'm gonna hold off and get. Put, I'm gonna pick the right thing because you didn't have that freedom. Sure. Because you needed to work. And I'll, I'll, I remember. This was interesting. Brad got it. Um, he and I were up against each other. It was just him and I. It came down to him and I. And he's a lot. T- and it's funny. I go maybe because he was taller than me. He's <laughs> he's like six feet or six one or something like that. And lanky. He's lean and lanky and you know. And um, we were up for this again. This Patrick Hasberg pilot called Glory Days. Okay. And um, didn't you say Brad Pitt was in that? That was yeah. Him, he was the one. Brad Pitt and I were up against each other. Oh, 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 oh! That, that's thinking, the Brad I'm okay. talking oh, about. Oh, got, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. He and I were up against each other on that. Okay. Down to the wire. I mean, we were at the network going in for like our second time back in the network. And we, at, in those days, when you'd go to the network, you were so close to having this thing. And it, usually it was just you and one other person that you were up against, and they were just going back, going, "Okay, which, who, who in our minds, who do we see playing this?" Because mm. obviously they both are able to now that they've gotten this far. So now it's just a matter of, okay, let's vote on this. Yeah, he's he's the type. We whatever. So you go in, and those days, man, it was you didn't you didn't get put on tape. You went in, you went down to Century City to NBC or ABC or to the headquarters they'd have like a theater type of thing set up in there and like the execs would all be in there and you'd be down with a spotlight on you and having the the casting director be right here and they would be up a lot of times you couldn't even see their faces Mm -hmm. it was crazy it was like a movie it's in itself you know and it was called Glory Days and it was uh it was just a it was a it was a coming of age late teen kind of thing and you know so he and I were up against each other and he got it and it never it it never went on it didn't stick around it okay. got canceled after but I was going man I wonder what would have happened if I had gotten that part if sure. you know because after because then 
Brad kind of disappeared from the scene. Really? And it was me and all our buddies going, hey, man, you know, I hadn't seen Brad lately. And, and uh, I mean, he used to be, you'd see his, I mean, if you were going on audition, uh-huh. Jason, Luke, me, you'd see Brad's name, Brad Pitt, you know, kid from Missouri. And then he, he, nobody saw him for like six months. He was dating Christina Applegate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he, you know, he... Uh, Lori was it Lori Rodkin there was this manager in town a female and apparently she had snatched him up signed him and usually and, and the big you know and there was there was like a lot of talk around oh if Lori gets you man you're gonna you're gonna make it somehow or another I don't know how you did how she did it or what but if you were tied in with Lori she had ways of getting you places that so um about six months goes by, and then I see another one of our buddies. He goes, hey, man, did you hear about Brad? I go, what? He goes, man, he got this Ridley Scott movie. I go, really? I said, wow. Ridley Scott, big direct giant. Yeah. He was big then. Yeah. He said, yeah, it's called Thelma Louise. It's like, you know, Susan Sarandon and, and Gina uh, Davis. 1992. Yep. I was going by Girlfriends. <laughs> And I go, really? You go, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, 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 just, it's not. You know, it's a small part, but it's a big, giant movie. Well, that's what. I mean, when he did that, that put him on the map. Yeah. The, you know, he was the dude with the abs. Yeah. You know, right. you remember the yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the Cow- cowboy. Cowboy hat. Yeah. You know, I like, I like your wife. You know, you know <laughs> I kind of that dude. And um, and that just. No one heard from him. He was on his way. And he was in a different. He did different, put he him on a different. Put him trajectory. in a different stratosphere. Oh, and that's he. You know, once he did that, man, I think he started dating Gina Davis during that movie. And um, that just he started. Then you started seeing him pop up. A river runs through it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, name it. An interview with a vampire. This. You know, and the interesting thing about you know, I guess as anybody in any form of entertainment uh, you know you, you spend your career <coughs> looking for that opportunity and just because it gives you it opens up for you doesn't mean you're going to be ready for it or you're going to be able to to execute on it no. and obviously he did yeah <coughs> but yeah. I mean and, and you just never know man and you don't and you don't and, and again now that happened at a time <coughs> I would have never met my wife Right, because when that happened with Brad, everything and happens one, for a reason. And that was before I met my wife, mm-hmm. and that was that was before I did even did uh, <coughs> before I was on days. That was in that first couple three years of like crazy. St- I mean, it, stuff was happening fast. Twenty one Jump Street stuff. This and th- and then Brad gets Thumb and Louise, and whoa, you know, man, he jumped into like the big time, blah blah. blah. And then I, you know, my path took me days where I met Missy. Sure. Yeah. So I go, wow, man. Right. I said, God works in amazing ways. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I go, I, you know, so I, I look back and I go, man, it was all pro- divine providence, man. I, I wasn't supposed to do that. Sure. And he was supposed to do that. And, yeah. and I go, what? And, but I've had, and you know, I've had such an incredible, incredibly diverse, mm-hmm. interesting career path, you know, cause I, I, I worked straight <laughs> Until I decided to take a break. So, so, so you did. You did work straight. And, and in in the particular in this particular soap opera, uh, that's when they start 
utilizing your uh, your musical ability. Yes. And, and now, when they were doing that, had you already started the process of writing your own songs? Not quite starting writing my own songs yet. Okay. I started toying with it. Okay. Um, just the idea. Um, while I was on The Young and the Restless, uh, it was around... It was the, it was once I hit the mid to late nineties. I was a just a handful, a few years into the show, a handful of years. And a, another buddy of mine, who was a, uh, I knew a lot of musicians at that time because I had I did music for myself. Did you go hang out at clubs and play? I, I never played clubs at that point, but I had buddies. That was their career path. Now, so, when you did play did you play country music or were you playing something I was playing 80s 80s rock Americana now I lived I was raised on country because my all we had in our house Mm -hmm. was Merle Haggard Waylon Jennings Willie Nelson Clint Campbell especially because we'd we'd go see Glenn but what did you listen to but I me on my iPod in the in the late 80s you had an iPod in the 80s? Not an iPod. Yeah, what you did know I, you No, did no, no. It was a, a Walkman. I had a Walkman. Yeah, you had a Walkman. I had a Walkman. Yeah, yeah, Walkman. Yeah, I'm going to age you on this yeah, one, man. Yeah, You're going to call me back 27 years. I'm going to age you. And then I had a portable CD player after I the had, Walkman. I had bro. an 8-track player I carried on my back. <laughs> that was before the Walkman. <laughs> I, dude, I had Frampton Comes Alive on 8-track. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I'll tell you another cool little tidbit. With, as far as Frampton goes, it just happened today. Um, it's my understanding he lives here now. He does. Yeah. Um, and so I, uh, I, I was, I was listening to, you know, because I was down on the, I'd go see shows down uh, at the Whiskey and the Rainbow Room, and mm-hmm. so I was, it was Motley Crue, Poison, Aerosmith, Bon Jovi, I, Led Zeppelin was my favorite band of all time at that point. Um, so, so you just, you just said something when you said Rainbow Room. Yeah. Uh, did, did, did you ever run in circles with uh, River Phoenix? Well, no, I no, but I was there when that happened at the Viper Room. Viper Room, that's it. At that's the Viper, because Johnny Depp owned the Viper. He may, I don't know if he still owns it or not, but at the time he owned it. Mm-hmm. His band would play there, mm-hmm. um, and he, I think he might have. Johnny Depp was there that night, possibly with his band playing. He, he was, and Sam Joaquin was yes. there with him. Yeah, yeah. And man, the Viper Room was another one of those rock yeah. stars, but it was, man. And I and I and in fact, Aaron and I played the Viper Room. We did a media show. No we did a really? showcase there. That is when cool. Blue County when we right after we signed our deal, and we we went out there to play for a bunch of LA people. Now don't 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 get too far ahead because we got we got to head there. We got to get there, man. <laughs> Time warp that oh, far. Your wife's gonna go, man. Where are you? <laughs> you got this this talker. Um, so, he, uh, so yeah. So I, uh, I was. I'd go down there. The Viper Room was happening. River Phoenix passed away. That was a big ordeal because it happened right out on the right. street. Did you ever meet him in any of the interview process or anything? No, and I wish I had because I love. I admired his. Hell of an he actor. Was, oh. One of the best. Yeah, he was a hell one of, of the best. Yeah, yeah. And one of the most organic, mm-hmm. authentic, yep. young act. I mean, he was a kid. Yeah. It was just it always boggled my mind to watch him and yeah. just go. He is so in touch, man, with his, with who he is, and and is able to express himself in the most honest way in front of a camera. People, you could see his soul, yeah. man, in, in front of a camera. Yeah. And he, he could, he could, it was amazing to me. So, so he reminded me a lot of James Dean. Yes, very much so. And, and, and uh, the only person I've ever seen come close to that, you know, at that age anyway, was DiCaprio. 
Yes, exactly. And without a doubt, who I who I think is one of the best actors oh, of our yes. day to, uh, to date. And uh, but River Phoenix, he uh, man, I you you just he was able to totally immerse himself in whatever he was doing. Yeah. And 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 be so. He was just he was just, true he was, yeah. to himself and, and the craft. It's just oh. it's just amazing. At, at such a young age, and yeah, I'm just man, it was. But it was, he was also very tortured. Yes. And it's interesting to me because most a lot of actors who are that good, that young, are are dealing with stuff like that. But are the but but and that's where I would kind of go. But are they really that? Good that young because there's I, I, I don't think there's that many there's not that many that, that, that are that, that are good, that good, good no I mean I don't know if you remember even back to uh, oh, running on empty oh yeah 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 uh, Mosquito with Coast Judd Hirsch Mosquito Coast yeah oh man I'm just going I watched those movies I go how did that kid do this at right. that age yeah he was so present in whatever he was you know and it was it just he believed. He believed it so much. Method, I thought, which I'm sure. Yeah. At least a, a form or maybe a, a branch off mm-hmm. of some type of method. Yeah. Act, and I mean, sure. you just, you, 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 you he was oh, so good. And and, uh, and again, I think Leonardo DiCaprio is, is as good as that. And and he's like, he, every every role he does, he's so, he's so 100, 100% in. So, so, the, so, so, bringing the, and bringing DiCaprio into it. Sometimes when I see him now, uh, I, I, I always, you know, you always go, "What if?" I always wonder if that's where, you know, if he kind of filled a role that Joaquin left open, you know. It may be so. Yeah, a river. I mean, river, yeah, river yeah, left yeah. open. Yeah, cause because it's like I think Joaquin's an incredible actor too. He is. He yeah, is a but, great actor. But, but yes, you're right. I, th- I think so. I think he kind of picked up where River left off. Yeah, and you kind of wonder if River would have done those kind of roles right. when, he, and, when he got older. And I remember when because um, Leonardo DiCaprio is younger than me, and I remember when he was the kid on a. Uh, the sitcom. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, what was the sitcom? Oh, oh, with uh, 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 no. with Kirk Cameron. Yes. Uh, oh, oh, it was Growing Pains. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, and I remember yeah. when he was on that. And I'm like, well, who would have ever thought that that kid on a sitcom would have turned into Leonardo DiCaprio? Right, right. And uh, and uh, you just never know, man. When you're, it's so crazy to see some of these guys and what they were, you know. Because I, you know, it's funny because. Luke lives here now. Perry. Mm-hmm. He has a. He's. Does he act it all anymore? He's. He had. He died. He's jumping back. He's jumped back in. He took a break for a while. He did this movie called Eight Seconds. Uh, that was about twenty years ago. Yeah, I know. And I. I and was that twenty years ago? Ninety four, man. Eight seconds. What? Wasn't that with the? With the, yeah. The Bull Rider. The Bull Rider. That was nineteen ninety four. Dude, <laughs> I'm in another. I'm in, dude. I'm I'm in La La Land because I'm going. I'm, and maybe it's wishful thinking. I'm like, oh man, that was just a few years ago, and I because I remember going to the Directors Guild to watch it when they were screening it, and um, I went to watch Eight Seconds, and I walk outside, and there's this kind of geeky kid with glasses, you know, leaning against the wall. Uh-huh. And I go, man, I recognize him, because I, re- well, it was Leonardo DiCaprio because he had just done the Basketball Diaries. Mm-hmm. And the basketball diary is huge. Mark Wahlberg's first movie, I think. Yes. What's eating Gilbert Grape? 
I mean, oh when he played the middle, middle handicapped yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he didn't go full retard, though. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Okay, for what movie was that oh, from? Dude, oh, was, oh, my gosh. Oh, I can't remember. Oh. And, uh... Okay, I'm gonna have to cut that out. You might have to cut that yeah, out. That I'm like, oh man, we're gonna get in trouble for that one. Right. <laughs> be like, you shouldn't. Say that ain't that. politically. That's that ain't politically, politically correct. correct. Hey, let me tell you what. If anybody ever thought I was gonna be politically correct, they have already mistaken they shouldn't who be they listening. thought I was. You know, right. That's right. Um, uh, so that's well, that's hilarious, dude. But um, anyway, yeah. So that it was during that whole time, and then um, just to jump back. So I was doing that soap. The show. The soap. They introduce. They figure out. Oh, you do music too, because because I started because you know once I had uh, kind of established an audience in that world, mm-hmm. my other another musician were, were, buddy. Were you did you feel vulnerable exposing that creative aspect of, to that yeah, world? At that point, a little bit. I was a little bit hesitant, right. and I went, I don't know if I want to, you know, open myself up in that as far as that realm is concerned with these people in this sure. room. But you know. And I didn't initially directly. I, outside of the show, my buddy who was a, is a drummer, he was playing with Annie Lennox at the time. He was doing a lot. Of, he had had a lot of success from a drumming standpoint. Mm-hmm. He was a drummer playing for a million different people. Uh, played with Kenny Loggins for a while. Played like that that level of drummer. Dang, talented guy, great songwriter. Um, that, but that's what he had poured himself into at the time. From the time he was in high school, his dad, his dad was the drummer on The Tonight Show back when Johnny Carter, you know, he was one of those fourth generation drummers who was just ridiculous. Sure. So I knew he was gonna do well and get to a level. So he also was a great songwriter. Picked up a guitar, he was one of those guys, I wanna write a song, pick up a guitar, great guitar player because he was a drummer and he was able to incorporate all that percussive stuff into his guitar playing. Mm -hmm. Um, Not a lead guitar player, but just a great, write really cool stuff because Mm -hmm. of what he could play. So. He and I started working together because we came up with the idea, man, you've got a built-in audience now. Uh, So this is the beginning. This is the origin of uh, of Pork Chuck? No, no. Okay, okay. Pork Chuck came later. Pork Chuck, okay. Pork Chuck came after Blue County. Um, Oh, after Blue County? After Blue County. Okay. So I did this um, this thing on my own with this other buddy of mine. Mm -hmm. I said, he said, dude, why don't we make a record, you know? And I loved all of his stuff. I loved his songs. Mm-hmm. We actually wrote a couple songs together. That's when I started really dabbling in songwriting. Okay. Wrote a couple songs. Made this record on our own. I let I let him be the, the MD. He put together all the musicians. He knew all the he knew all the players in town mm-hmm. uh, in LA. And uh, we we got together like ten songs that he had written a lot of because I loved his songs. We had written a couple of them. And we really wrote this did this album targeting my daytime audience because it was a way just to do music mm-hmm. and we had an audience built in I said heck we can go do shows and put people in chairs and sell records to my daytime audience did you have to tour though to do it well I was doing public appearances every weekend anyway because okay. that was a big part of that world oh. big part of the daytime world was going out every weekend whether it was all over Canada or the United States to malls, to various places, signing autographs, taking pictures, you know, meet, meeting our fans, meeting yeah. our our audience, and that was huge. That we still we still do stuff like that um, with anything you do now. I mean, sure. even 
I'll tell you, I'll tell you in, in what, at what level and how we're doing it now. But um, so anyway, I mean, I was in Canada literally every weekend, mm-hmm. and I, I, we went from one side of Canada to the other, and everywhere in between. And we, so then we started incorporating. Not we, so I said, you know what? This could be kind of cool to not just go and do the sign graph. Hey, it's nice to meet you. Oh, you're my favorite soap star. Blah blah blah. Let's shares another aspect of who I am. Mm-hmm. Let's make the record. We'll go out and use these public appearances and really maybe I'll, we'll bring our guitars and we'll do a little acoustic concert for them as part of the public appearance. Right. And that way they're going to get to see an, an entirely different side of me. Creative side. Right. And, you know, I could share my my history, my upbringing, mm-hmm. my roots. Sure. Glenn Campbell, my dad raised us on country music. I grew up on 80s rock in LA. So you turned it into a touring writer's night. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. That was one of the first times that started happening. Gotcha. Um, didn't even know I was going to be in Nashville on Curb Records with uh, my best friend doing a, a, a duo. Quit and, trying to... J- I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know, I know. And the, people are going to be like, and four hours later, we... we, we <laughs> This is a mini-series, bro. That's right. That's right. Um, I might have to chop it up into a couple of different episodes, but that's okay. We'll, we'll make it work, man. Oh, man. Uh, so, you're like, damn, I'm going to have to live in the and, second, and you, second third right. episode you, just know. to find out how the hell you make Melissa. You can already tell I hate talking, man. Um, <laughs> good Lord, my, my, my family would be telling, Dad, shut up. Um, <laughs> your, your wife's going to be calling going, hey, what yeah, the yeah. hell honey, you dude, would you shut your, honey, <laughs> shut your mouth. Um, so um, anyway, at, so then we start doing that. I incorporated the music thing. Well, sure enough, you know, that was when soap magazines were really, there was like five soap magazines. There was... Uh-huh. There, soap opera digest is still around. There was soap digest. There was soap opera update. There yeah. was there was a there was soap opera weekly. There, there were magazines. A bunch of magazines. <laughs> there aren't so many anymore. No, and um and so there were those. There were soap opera talk shows on TV. You know there was soap talk. There was I mean there was a bunch of outlets because that's when soaps were at their peak. Right. In the nineties. So of course we go. You know what? They want it. What are you doing? Well, I'm doing music out on the road, you know. <laughs> Aside from the show. You are? Okay, well, why don't you come on our show and play a song? Or get, Okay, you know, it's a way to promote the, the, the record we did. It's a way to promote it to fans out there so they know that that's what's coming to appearances. Well, were you... <clears throat> so once again, at this particular point, yep. were you writing country songs? Not yet. So, so now you just you just did this song, just songs. Okay. They were just songs. I was kind of taking my. It was more of a more of a Amer- more of an Americana vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and my buddy, the way he wrote at the time was very Americana, Eagles esque, kind of Southern California country, if you will. But that was more rock. More of an Eagles vibe, more of a poppy vibe, at whatever pop was then, not what it is now. So, um, the Young and the Restless gets when, wait, you're you're doing you're doing music out on the like at these appearances. What do you mean? Oh yeah, you know I play guitar and I you know I I do you know we did a record and I said, well, can we incorporate that into the show? Mm-hmm. I said, wow, man, I knew you were gonna ask me that. 
Because once they find out you do something else, they want to like incorporate it because it makes it interesting. For sure. The I said, okay, I, I guess, you know. What year was this? This was uh, 90. This had to be like 93, 94. Okay. Um, so I said, I said, okay, to what extent? Okay. I said, because at the time, you know, Michael Damien, I don't know if you remember Michael yeah, Damien. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, hey, kids, rock and roll. Rock on. You rock, that's it. Rock. Because he had come from a, a fan, he was in a band before he did soaps. His, it was his, the family band, the, uh, uh, it was the, uh, all his brothers and sisters were in this, like, it was like the Osmonds, but mm-hmm. they, they were, had their own, the level of success in that kind of. That was a big song, too. Huge. Yeah. And so he had established kind of a pop career with that. Mm-hmm. Young and the Restless, that, they were starting to mix that stuff. He would do concerts on the Young and the Restless. <laughs> they would incorporate that into his character. That's cool. So they were figuring, so it's, they started doing that whole cross-promotion thing way before its time. Now, there was a stigma with it because, oh, it's a soap opera actor, now he's doing music, now, or, you know, it wasn't as accept, widely accepted where you can do everything now. I don't care who you are. You can sure. try everything. Sure. So I said, okay, well, let's do it to the degree to where maybe my character, you know, writes a song for his love interest at home with his guitar, and it's mm-hmm. not so much I'm an artist on the show that's playing concerts, but... Um, you know, I just that's what I do at home. Mm-hmm. So we we they, that's how they initially started it. I start I start I I I wrote a song for you. You know, we're getting we're getting married. You know, we're getting married. So I write a song for my bride. Hey y'all! Thanks for listening to the About Nashville podcast. Please support us by going to iTunes and subscribing, rating, and leaving a review. See y'all next week.